Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Christopher Bernard, commentator Young Voices, smart and accomplished guy. He writes for a wide range of outlets, including National Review, The Hill, USA Today. He has some well thought out articles in them streets. Thank you for being on the show, how are you? I'm great, Dr. Richie, thanks for having me. Absolutely, I don't wanna presume what you know or believe about our topic. We're going to chop it up about voting rights and the Voting Rights Act in the United States of America by extension, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Um, give us your sentiment and I'll respond. Well, I think pretty much I'm just tired, uh, sick and tired of the division and hypocrisy on this issue really. Um, it's long time being a red team versus blue team um, kind of debate. Um, and there's been a lot of finger pointing from both sides. And I think a lot of it started, honestly, I'm a, I'm a conservative. And I, I recognize that a lot of it started um, under former President Trump uh, during the 2020 election. Um, and, and I think that really cre created a lot of division and, and lack of trust in our elections. Um, but I also think that there is hypocrisy from the Democratic side as well. Um, I was very worried seeing President Biden say that the midterms in this year might not be legit, that those are his words. And I think that we're just seeing an erosion of trust in our public institutions and the electoral integrity of this country. And I think there's just hypocrisy on both sides that needs to be addressed. You know, I concur with you, there is hypocrisy on both sides. But let's be clear about the authenticity of approach, right? Both political parties have a goal for political or more political power, right? In my opinion, voting rights should have been a focus of the new administration from day one. Because when they got elected, they ran on it. <laughs> they said, we're gonna do something about these voter restriction laws across the United States of America. We're gonna do something about them. And they ran on it and people voted them in and they won and then they did not deliver, right? They had all kinds of reasons. And yes, some of it is because of the obstructionist agenda of the Republicans, but there were moves on the table that President Biden decided not to make. But here's what's interesting about what you just said. And this gets lost in the political conversation of those in political power. Data for Progress did a survey of everyday voters. Data for Progress found that 64% of voters actually support the Freedom to Vote Act. They support it line by line. They say, you know what, it's a good idea. And then when they broke it down by party affiliation, still the majority of Republicans are for it. And naturally the majority of Democrats are for it. Now, there's one thing to know what a bill is called. There's another thing, thing to know what a bill is. So what is in the bill? The bill creates standardized voting in the United States. There's a federal standard protocol, which I have no issue with. It establishes a national standard for voter identification. Right now it's left up to each state independently. It has a verifiable paper trail so that you can know your vote has integrity with a paper ballot connector. It also prohibits election officials from being intimidated by expanding how they can be prosecuted, people that do that to election officials because we needed to protect democracy. Any one of those elements, do you disagree with any one of those dynamics of the bill? Well, I think to go to an earlier point you said, it is interesting to see how even a majority of Republicans would support a bill called the Freedom to Vote Act. I think 
it's hard to hear a name like that and to be against it, right? And I think it's a similar dynamic with the Green New Deal, actually. Polling shows that a majority of Republicans even support the Green New Deal. But it's quite apparent that they might not have actually read what is in the bill, which would probably lead them to disagree with parts of the bill. And so I think one of the issues with, with the voting rights package that, that failed in the Senate just recently um, is that it, it does take a lot of the power that was typically reserved for the states um, as outlined in, in the Constitution in uh, Article 1, Section 4, uh, and, and take, tries to centralize a lot of that power um, in the federal government. And I think theoretically that might sound like, like a good idea uh, to standardize those procedures. But I think obviously we have a federalist system for a reason. And, and I'm afraid of what would happen if we centralize those decisions in, uh, in Washington DC and how that might be abused and influenced by when any one party might control government here in, in DC. So I, I think it's, it's more a matter of um, being afraid of the precedent it might set um, and being afraid of, of the, the possibility of centralizing um, those uh, authorities in the federal government rather than in the states as they historically always have been. Well, even though it's historical, my dear brother, it is constitutional to change it. You can actually change the law according mm-hmm. to the same constitutional article and section you name. Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 says, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time, at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations. So the Constitution, not an amendment, but an original article in the Constitution says, you know, Congress has the legal authority to centralize elections federally, right? Now you have to think that the framers of the Constitution, when they wrote that caveat in there, realized that it may be necessary one day to do this when you have such friction, division, and variation of election laws in the United States of America. And let's please let's please Proclaim truly what this is about. These bills are reactionary bills to what Republicans decided to do state by state. Do you believe in a big lie? Do you believe Joe Biden stole the election from Donald Trump? No, and, and as okay. a conservative, I'm, I'm proud to say that I don't. Good um, for you, I'm, but think about this brother, and I'm gonna let you answer completely. First. Think about this, 49 Republican legislatures has laws over a lie that you admit was a lie. Now, all of them did not become state law, but many of them did become state law. All over a lie that has permeated in the Republican Party, not because of truth. If it starts with a lie, brother, think about it. If the legislation started over a lie, how do you end up creating righteousness in the bill after that? It started from the premise of deceit, and it is still deceitful even as law today. Well, first of all, I'd like to state that I identify as a conservative. So I'm not beholden to the Republican Party, broadly speaking. And while many of my views might overlap with Republican officials, I am first and foremost a conservative. And I think that's an important caveat. And I feel it gives me a certain amount of independence and kind of, I would hope, integrity in the way that I can answer these questions. Yeah. When it comes specifically to your questions, I think in general, voting laws get updated pretty regularly in states around the country. And I think obviously a lot of laws have been and bills have been introduced in those legislatures, as you mentioned, in the last two years. But I don't think it's a completely new phenomenon that voting laws might be altered in different states. And so. Um, I guess my question to you really would be, 
which one of those bills are you particularly worried about? And, and what about them makes you um, so worried? Because I, I've looked at a lot of them and, and frankly, I don't really see what a lot of the, the fuss is about. Um, yeah. I understand that if they're based on um, the fraudulent claims during the 2020 election, then I think that is a, a worrying premise, but that does not necessarily invalidate the actual bills that have been put forward. I would call that a logical fallacy, to be honest. Um, so I'm just right. wondering, what, what do you think are the, the bills that are so bad? I'm glad you posed that question. Uh, let's go to Georgia, Senate Bill 202, which does a few things. It makes it a criminal a criminal offense to give someone food or water who's waiting outside in the line. Now on face value, people will say, you know, that doesn't make sense, but how does that impact voting? Even Lindsey Graham went on national news and challenged the Georgia governor to strike that provision because he said, and I quote, that part doesn't make sense to me, okay? So here's what it was written for. You gotta understand there's always a design to these things. That 90 plus page bill created a new criminal law right in the middle of the bill. They wanted to hide it. What it aimed to do was to stop the advertising of churches and nonprofits that have no political affiliation. They ran massive campaigns during the last election cycle in Georgia where you had two US senators, US senators beat incumbent US senators, two candidates beat them, right? Well, churches ran commercials and said, listen, if you're gonna wait in the long line in Georgia, we're gonna make sure that you have food, water, and a chair. We're not telling you who to vote for. We're simply saying, if you stand in these lines, we're gonna make sure that you're hydrated, that you got some food. Here's the issue, brother, over 90% of the precincts that have historical long lines in Georgia are where? Black communities. And that was a way to incentivize people and, and make sure there's a comfort connected and some you know courtesy to give them food or water. You have to agree that passing a law that would make it a criminal offense punishable by six months in prison is overreach and absolutely aimed at stopping the practice of nonpartisan organization, primarily black churches, from simply handing mama them some water. That's problematic for me. The other problem with the Senate Bill 202 and similar bills like it is that it actually takes away power from county governments. Now you said something really interesting on my show. You said the reason why you don't like the voting rights bill or any of them is because it centralizes the power back to the federal government. You want to have state governments make this rule, even though the Constitution clearly allows for the US Congress to do so. You said, I don't like that. I don't like that kind of overreach. However, it seems as if you are okay with the overreach from the state government, now overreaching into the county government, telling the county government what they can or cannot do, and having the legal authority to take over a local board of elections by executive decree in these particular bills. So in one hand, brother, on one hand, you're okay with the government takeover if it's the state taking over the county. But you don't want the government takeover when it's the federal government doing what's constitutionally allowable to a state. Explain that to me. Well, I, I, as a conservative, I'm very much in favor of, of decentralizing and localizing authority as, as, as much as possible. And so I've, I've not once stated that I'm in favor of a, a state uh, overriding uh, local rules and whatnot. Well, that's uh, the one commonality, brother, of all of these bills. The one commonality is in some way, every single one of these bills that actually did get signed into law, they limit the county's ability, that local county, that local board of elections ability to simply call the election as they see it locally. Every single one of them have that provision in the bill. So if you have 
I mean, if you're true to your conservative roots, you would say, listen, based on principle, I don't like you taking away control from a local board of elections. So you agree with me, right? Well, I would also just add that the, the Constitution says that states quite clearly have the authority to do this. And as you mentioned, rightly, well, the Constitution uh, Congress says Congress has the ability to do it. That's not right. what you're hanging your hat on. I'm just saying that it mentions the states first and then it mentions Congress. It, it doesn't really say much about uh, local municipalities or whatever it might be. Um, as much as I do believe in decentralizing authority and power wherever possible, I do think it also makes sense to, to, to have states as, as outlined in the Constitution to, to decide on the ways that their um, elections impact the federal level um, and have um, some level of, of coordination in that manner. Um, I think the most important thing is to understand that different states have different cultures, um, much more than different municipalities might have different cultures. And so I think that that is something to bear in mind in this as well. Let me ask you this, my man. How old should you be before you get a gun? Before you can legally have a firearm? How old should you be, in your opinion? I mean, I, I believe that it, sh it should be 18. Um, okay. As, as Why do you believe ahead. that? I, obviously, 18 is, is a relatively arbitrary number for anything. But I think if you can vote at 18, you can join the military at 18. Um, you should be able to uh, own a gun at 18. I also personally believe I was born in Europe. I, should, I believe that you should be allowed to drink at 18. I think there should be um, a, a level of consistency there. What age do you think you should vote? 18. Okay. The reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is because these are all standards across the board, right? It makes sense that we have a standard to protect democracy, specifically as it relates to the presidency of the United States of America. We're not talking about a takeover, we're talking about uniformity, which is different. However, the bills that you basically support, these Voter restriction bills are actually takeover bills of local jurisdictions. The bill that you are antithetical to is a voting rights bill that would create uniformity in the process and still give Republicans everything they've always asked for, such as an ID, paper trail ballots, etc. Those things are all in the bill. My challenge to you, brother, is what is it in the bill other than the process that you don't like? Because the process is allowable based on the US Constitution, um, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. Well, I think that, for example, when it comes to voter voting ID, um, it does water down a lot of that uh, of those rules uh, to the extent that you could actually, as long as you have someone with you uh, backing up that you are who you claim to be, you can vote. Um, I think that is uh, not necessarily something that is good for the integrity that, of the That's elections. really interesting. You know, 20 years ago, nobody had to present an ID to vote. Do you believe voting is a right? I believe voting is a right. I also believe that presenting proof of who you are to cast okay. that vote well, let me ask is you also this. something that should be Okay, allowed. and that's fine, I understand your proclamation. What other right do you have where you need to present an ID to exercise it? I mean, there, there are many different things if you want to um, if you want to open up a bank account, you have to- You don't have um, a right to open up a bank account, that's a privilege. Banks can deny you. I mean, there are different types of um, rights. And what kind of right do you think that we should not have? Um, no, I think we should have all of our rights. My, my question to you, brother, is very clear. What other, since you believe voting is a right, which I believe also, what other constitutional right do you have where you need to present an ID to exercise that right, other than voting? I mean, I, I'm not sure if I can think of one off the top of my head, but I don't all think right, any well, think of about the other rights. Right I don't think any of the other rights imply the same kind of 
um, uh, impact on the rest of society that voting hmm. would. Really? You no? Of course not. Okay, right to bear arms? Well, the thing, the thing is, the thing is that you're trying to uh, claim that if you uh, currently federal law states that you have to be a citizen to uh, to cast a vote. I think it would make sense for you to have to um, prove that you are a citizen, indeed, to cast a but vote. But you don't like prove that. you're a citizen with an ID. That's not a citizen card. We have no national card in America. Some other countries do. Your ID does not signify that you are a citizen of the United States. You didn't know that. No, of course I knew that, but I still okay. think that it, anyway. All right, man, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, bro.